Have you ever wondered what it's like to witness a murder? Forrest grabbed the knife and then just stabbed Johnny in one motion. Or how it feels to be shot. I was immediately hit by a barrage of bullets. Or how you would react if your spouse hired someone to kill you. And he was to put me in a grave with a bullet wound in my head. These are the stories you'll hear on the podcast called What Was That Like? True stories told by the actual person who went through it. You'll hear from a stalking victim. Came back upstairs and when I came back and turned the corner into my room, I saw him standing there. You'll hear from a man who was kidnapped and tortured. I would do anything, say anything, to simply get away. And you'll hear actual 911 calls. Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Take a deep breath. Oh my God! Real people in unreal situations. Search for What Was That Like on any podcast app or at whatwasthatlike.com. This podcast contains adult themes and language, and some of the things that we discuss may be disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss sexual assault, torture, race, and murder. Listener discretion is advised. Please take care of yourself. Bienvenidos, <laughs> bitches, and buiti binafi, bitches. Thanks for listening. Uh, Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and those who are othered and the victims, because contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight cisgender white dudes. What? Yeah. Isn't it wild? <laughs> now, these crimes rarely get any public attention, and that is because the news is... Wait for it. Hold for applause. Racist. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> Put your hands down. <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, a black Latinx woman. And I'm Beth, and I just happen to be white. That's right. She is a nice white lady, you guys. <laughs> Very nice white lady. Can't help it. <laughs> We're not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. Also, the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. All right. So uh, who are we talking about today, Fred? Well, we have a special Thanksgiving episode for y'all today. Ooh. This is the story of Asmiram Gebrselassie and Tuadros Gebrselassie, two brothers who murdered three people on Thanksgiving Day in 2006. Okay, but uh, before we get into the details, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, as I mentioned, this is a special Thanksgiving episode. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's going to drop on Thanksgiving, so I wanted no, to... Thanksgiving is a yeah. Thursday. Okay. Yeah, it's a Thursday, yep. Yeah, okay. Always, every year. <laughs> <That's>, yeah. <laughs> 
Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> uh, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lambs, grams, hogs, logs, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chickens, turkeys, you name it. Um, that's my Thanksgiving Shirley Caesar impression. And I love this is the that's basically the only thing I like about this time of year. But anyway, back to the script. <laughs> So I wanted to take a moment to say happy Thanksgiving to all of our fruities and to say that we are so, so thankful for you. We are. Uh, don't forget about the horrific history of this holiday that we celebrate and to, you know, do some acknowledging and reflecting on the OGs of America, the mm -hmm. indigenous people. My daughter is third grade studying um, social studies. Oh, geez. And uh, I was like, this paper doesn't say anything about genocide. <laughs> Nothing about diseases or murder or rape. What is this? What's your teacher's email? Because I need to speak with that woman. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but doing good. Thanksgiving is almost here. And happy Thanksgiving to you all. Feliz Pascua. Feliz Dia de Gracias. I don't know how to say it in Garifuna, but you get my drift. Yeah. So uh, let's get into some listener letters. All right. Hello, angels. All right. Hello. What is in the bag, Beth? Well, I don't have anything. Do you? I do. Something did come up. Oh, okay. My eyeballs. Cool. It was a DM on the platform formerly known as Twitter. Okay. We got a DM from Kinty for news, Kinty Y for Kinty Y for news. That's something else. It, it might be. It might be. I don't. I don't know. But I don't want to assume because that makes an ass out of you and me. Am I right? Yeah. So, uh, but I hope uh, it does. <laughs> it's one of my favorite words. Anyway, let's get into her. The letter says, "Good morning, Fruit Loops Queenies." Just wanted to present another case to y'all that I have been following since I heard about her murder in 2019. Mm. I'm queer and from Dallas, so her loss was a huge cloud over Dallas Pride that year. The man that killed her assaulted her first on video months prior oh. and went on a killing spree within the same week he murdered her. And she says, you all do an excellent job at presenting the lives of the victims as much as the perp. And it makes me proud to be a listener. Thank you again for all the work that you guys do. And thank you, Kinty4 News, so much. Yeah, thank you. For your letter. And the case she's talking about, y'all, is Malaysia Booker. Yeah. Black trans woman who we've we've been following the case too. Yeah. And there was just a conviction and a sentence. We'll so yeah, we will we'll be covering be adding this case. Yeah. This one to the docket. And thank you so much for your letter. It was so sweet. Yeah, thank you. And I just wanted to say please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. And we may feature it on a future episode. Also, join us on Patreon, where we have literally hundreds of hours of bonus content. And we have a video club for 12 plus patrons where you can interact with us in person. That's right. So let's take a quick break and then we'll get into the story when we come back. I got beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rice, raw, raw, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, rabbit, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, raw, raw, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, turkeys, chicken, turkeys, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, you name it, you name it. 
introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. The type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. Beth, who is our subject today? Well, on Thanksgiving Day in 2006, two brothers, Asmaram Gebrselassie and Tuadros Gebrselassie, murdered three people in Oakland, California. Ooh, Oak Town. All right. This is our love and light section where we say our respects, give reference to the people who lost their lives in this tragedy. And also lift up the communities, the loved ones who are left behind in the wake of this case. The murder victims are Wintam Mehari, 28, her brother, Jonas Mehari, 17, and the Mehari's mother, 50-year-old Regbi Barangasi. And so rest in power to all of those souls. Yeah. So now we're going to get into the setting because context matters. And if you don't like history or knowing how we got here, please feel free to fast forward. Yeah. Take us there, Beth, to the setting. (laughs) To the setting cave. (laughs) (laughs) Quick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the setting is the country of Ethiopia and Oakland, California. Sounds like very far apart. Very far apart. The biggity, yes. biggity oh. But when I was growing up in the Bay, Oaktown, San Ho, there was so many Ethiopian people yes. from the Ethiopian community. And so yes. 
Yes. It's very interesting how that came to be. Yes. Are we going to talk about it? We are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is why that is important. Context, y'all. Context, y'all. So Ethiopia is a landlocked country in eastern Africa located on the Horn of Africa. It is bordered by Eritrea to the north, Djibouti to the east, Kenya to the south, and Sudan to the west. It is roughly the size of Texas. Also, just real quick before we go on, just lifting up those places like Sudan and the Tigray people in the countries of Africa, um, the Congo, there's turmoil and violence going on. So just lifting those Mm. places up. Yeah. But uh, Ethiopia, formerly known as Abyssinia, is one of the world's oldest countries. It is Africa's oldest independent country. And it's the second largest in terms of population. This is my favorite fact about Ethiopia of all time. It was never colonized. What? (laughs) I mean, there was some Italians who occupied it during World War II. But as far as I'm concerned, Ethiopia was never colonized. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Yeah. But the occupation of the Italians, they were only there for a few years. The occupation did not result in any lasting colonial administration. Thank thank God. (laughs) So Ethiopia is a patriarchal society with status largely determined by one's class and ethnicity. Regardless of class and ethnicity, however, Ethiopians view women as subservient to men. Women generally have less access to education and fewer economic opportunities in Ethiopia. Also, according to the 2007 Pew Global Attitudes Project, 97% of Ethiopians believe homosexuality is a way of life that society should not accept. And this was the second highest rate of non-acceptance in the 45 countries surveyed. That's interesting. So that number is staggering. 97% when you consider that 10% of people in general Mm -hmm. are gay. (laughs) They just are. Okay. Yeah. 97%. So that's got to include some gay people. Sure. And yeah, this is in my takes, but there is not a space in this world where there there are not queer people. There's black queer yeah. people, Ethiopian yep. queer it's, people. It's, age, it's they're biological every, cute people just, with disabilities. There's 10 percent in nature. <laughs> of, exactly. Yeah. Communities yeah. are around 10 percent are going to be gay. Right. Yeah. And then I, I was just thinking about the spectrum. What about people who are not all one thing? Right. Or, right. or, or don't particularly have. It's a spectrum, right? So yeah, non-binary or trans or you know mm-hmm, all the yeah. all the things. Yeah. yeah. So I would think that that percentage would be even higher if people were you know being honest and and including including everyone. You mean the percentage of people who are gay? Yeah, or LGBTQ. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Gotcha. Gay is just the G part. Anyway, also 2007 was a long, not a long time ago, but. It was a while ago. Uh, it I was think a that, while ago, yeah. I mean, that's before the marriage equality. It's actually gotten worse. It has? It's actually gotten worse in Ethiopia. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, what was I saying? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> My thought is that 97% it has to include the LGBTQ community. And I think the reason why is because the attitude is so strong that they feel like there's something wrong with them. Uh, and that's sad. That is really sad. Yeah. I, it's, uh, 
I don't understand it. But this was the second highest rate of non-acceptance in the 45 countries surveyed. So Ethiopia criminalizes same-sex sexual activity and sentences include a maximum penalty of one year imprisonment. And there is some evidence of the law being enforced in recent years, Mm. although it's hard to get that information. Mm. That's interesting. Also, you know, persecution because of your sexual identity, I would think, would be a reason to seek asylum somewhere else. Yep. LGBTQ people face high levels of discrimination, including in employment and education, and are vulnerable to violence and ostracism if their identities are discovered. As a result, there is no visible LGBTQ community. It remains underground. Earlier this year, in the capital city Addis Ababa, the police department launched a hotline for reporting, quote, illegal activities that deviate from the law and social values, unquote. Mm. Yeah. And in August of this year, the Ethiopian government began a crackdown on hotels, pubs, bars, and restaurants for alleged homosexual activities. Also in this year, the Ethiopian LGBTQ community faced an aggressive wave of online harassment and physical violence. And much of the blame is being placed on some Ethiopian TikTokers who are outing people, oh no, and inciting violence against the LGBTQ community. Many in the LGBTQ community have chosen to flee the country. So yeah, that's all pretty uh, scary. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the 1970s and 80s, facing political unrest during the Ethiopian Civil War, as well as war, famine, and natural disasters, large waves of Ethiopians began immigrating to the United States. Ethiopia is majority Christian at approximately 67%, followed by Islam at approximately 31%. There's a longstanding but smaller Ethiopian Jewish community. The majority of Ethiopians admitted to the U.S. were Christian because they were considered the best candidates to easily assimilate into American culture. However, the main factor for determining admission was educational background. The majority were male because the social structure in Ethiopia enabled men to meet the educational and occupational requirements established by the U.S. government for admittance. Ethiopians have gravitated to and have had the greatest success in regions in the United States already heavily populated by Black people, and where previous generations of Ethiopians had established communities. Oakland is a large port city in the state of California located in the San Francisco Bay. It is the third largest city in the San Francisco Bay Area and the eighth largest city in California. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. The Ohlone people were the original inhabitants of the area. The biggity biggity o. <laughs> That's what they call Oakland in rap songs. <laughs> in 1772, conquistadors from New Spain claimed Oakland and other Ohlone lands of the East Bay for the king of España, Spain. <laughs> when Mexico gained its independence from Spain, <laughs> California became Mexican territory. In 1850, after the Mexican-American War, California was admitted into the United States. Today, Oakland, or what did you call it? Biggity, 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 O. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Today, Oakland is one of the most ethnically diverse major cities in the United States. Mm -hmm. It has become a center for the black population of Northern California, although it has lost nearly 25% of its black community since 2000, with many leaving for the Southern U.S. or the Bay Area suburbs. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so, it's gotten so expensive. I think part of that is its proximity to Silicon Valley, too. Yes, definitely. Yeah. 
Oakland also has the third highest concentration of gay and lesbian people among the 50 largest cities in the country, after San Francisco and Seattle. The Ethiopian population in the Bay Area is one of the largest in the country and is estimated to be in the tens of thousands, with large communities in cities like Oaktown, or Oakland, and San Jose. The biggity biggity (laughs) (laughs) oh, And San Jose. There is an Ethiopian community center in Oakland, and the largest community event, the annual Ethiopian New Year Festival, can draw as many as 40,000 people from Oakland, San Francisco, and San Jose. Tight. Oh, my gosh. Do you remember before we went to go see Hamilton for this? We went to that Ethiopian restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about the food. It's so good. Okay. Well, now we're going to get into the Gabriel Selassie brothers' early life. So Asmeron and Tuodros Gebreselassi are two of 11 siblings. The family includes six brothers and three sisters. Asmeron, the second oldest, left Ethiopia as a young man in the early 80s and settled with relatives in Oaktown in 1985. That's Oakland. He later (laughs) helped his brother Abraham emigrate to the United States followed eventually by their mother and the rest of the siblings. Abraham met his wife, Winta Mahari, during a vacation in Ethiopia in 1998. Their son, Isaac, was born in 2004. The Gebrselasi family helped Winta's brothers, Mirhawi and Angusam, their twins, Jonas and Yefiram, and their mother, Regbi, emigrate to the United States. And that's emigrate with an E! With the exception of Winta, Abraham and Isaac, who lived in Berkeley, the Gebra Selassies, and the Maharis, lived in the same apartment complex in North Oakland. The two families were very close, like one really big family. That's kind of cool. It's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. To sort of have roots and community away from your homeland, right? Yeah. That, I, I think, is a beautiful thing. Just all living in the same apartment complex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Can I have some sugar? Great. <laughs> sure. hey, thank you. <laughs> so Angusam Mahari described the Gebra Selassie matriarch as, quote, almost like a mother, unquote, and mm. her children like his own brothers and sisters. Angusam and Merhawi, the twins, viewed Abraham like a father or brother. The two families frequently socialized together and shared holidays, birthdays, and family dinners together. That is sounds lovely. Well, yeah. let's get into the timeline where things take a turn. Mm. In the early morning of March 1st, 2006, Abraham, a seemingly healthy 42-year-old man, suddenly fell ill and died. Winta called 911, reporting that her husband was not breathing, then called her family and the Gebra Selassies. An autopsy conducted by pathologist Thomas Rogers was inconclusive. A toxicology screen for prescription and street drugs was negative, and there was no evidence of foul play. It was ruled an unexplained natural death. So, suspicious about their brother's sudden death, Asmeram and another brother, Tesfu, met with police to discuss their belief that Winta had a hand in it. Police reviewed the autopsy report and the 911 reports and interviewed Winta. Dr. Rogers as well was interviewed. A second pathologist, the Gebra Selassies, had retained to review Dr. Rogers' report, was contacted, and a supervising investigator with the coroner's office. 
That sounds like a lot of people to look a into. A lot it. of people, yeah. They yeah. all looked into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then on August 11th, an investigator told Asmerum and Tesfu that Abraham's death did not appear to be a homicide and that the police department did not intend to further investigate. But Asmerum did not buy it. He just could not accept that. No. He believed the Meharis killed Abraham and that they had two motives for murdering him. He believed that Merhawi Mahari was gay and that the family wanted to prevent Abraham from disclosing this information. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't okay. know about that one. Yeah. Okay. He also believed that the family wanted to collect on Abraham's life insurance policy. Asmaram continued to urge police and the insurance company to investigate his brother's death, and he repeatedly confronted the Mahari family. Okay, so this bruh is, he's just not chilling. He just won't let it go. No. Despite evidence to refute his theories. Twice in the late summer or fall, he went to their apartment and questioned Winta's mother and brothers about the night Abraham died. <laughs> so, <laughs> like a lamp. And, and, a, and a desk you know, <laughs> yelling at them. Where were you on the night of? Lights shining yeah. in their eyes. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. whoa, I thought we were here for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, so, and accused the Mahari family of murdering Abraham. Alarmed by these confrontations, the family decided that Asmaram was no longer welcome in their home and agreed to lock the door and call the police if he returned. Smart. Yeah, definitely. Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're gonna get. You're gonna hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing four one one, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3 a.m., the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts. People who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done. And that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.
About six weeks before Thanksgiving, Asmaram and Tusfu came to Winta's brother's workplace, and the brother's name is Yefram. According to Yefram, Asmaram told him that he had discovered something about Merhawi. Then Asmaram said, quote, You guys have murdered Abraham, and I'm going to murder you, unquote. Oh, uh-oh. Yeah, that escalated quickly. It did. He insulted Yefram and his family, then left when Yefram threatened to call the police. So he's showing up at people's workplaces, just, yeah. I mean... Confronting people. Yeah, you got, angry, he's got too far. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know about anybody else Black who's listening to this with Black skin. Nobody cares what country you're from or what language you speak. Your skin is Black. You can't be saying this stuff out loud. <laughs> I'm going to murder you? Yeah. Do you know the smoke you are just inviting your way? Whether you're, you can't just be saying that at work. <laughs> so then about 10 days before Thanksgiving, Asmaram and Tesfu confronted Merhawi at the Oakland Library. Asmaram told Merhawi he had proof. Aha, I've got the receipts. Abraham was murdered. <laughs> and that he would not expose Mahari's sexuality if he confessed he was present when Winta killed Abraham. Wow! <laughs> okay. Okay. <Yeah>. So <laughs> he's doing an interrogation, law and order style, at Thanksgiving. And then he's going to the library and is going to, like, get somebody to confess. Yeah, that's a it's really a- weird place to confront somebody, too, at the library. Right? Like, Shh. Yeah. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> sir, that is so funny. You need to keep it down, sir. <laughs> but I have the receipts. <laughs> wow. So, according to Asmaram, Merhawi admitted that he was gay and that he had molested Isaac. Wow. And he begged Asmaram not to tell anyone. I don't believe anything Asmaram's saying. By I, the way. Don't yeah. I don't either. I don't either. Asmaram claimed that Merhawi admitted to Asmaram that Winta had poisoned Abraham to keep him from exposing Merhawi's sexuality and for the insurance money. Mm. And that he, meaning Merhawi, mm-hmm. Jonas, and Angusam were all there when Abraham died. Wow. I mean, part of me is just like, Merhawi is just like, I'm going to just say whatever this motherfucker wants me to hear. I don't think he so said he can any leave of this. me alone. Oh, well, I don't yeah. think he said any of this. Yeah. Okay. That part, too. Okay. Forget everything I was going to say. I don't think this happened. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this happened. If I think it did, Asmaram I, made it up. Yeah. But if it did, I, what? <laughs> I could see somebody being like, I'm just going to say whatever he wants so he'll leave me alone and I yeah. continue my activities in the Oakland Public Library. Yeah, I don't think he would do that. Oh, okay. But (laughs) (laughs) only because, yeah. I I, don't think he would either. I'm just saying if If he did. For whatever reason. Yeah. uh, I don't think this happened, but if it did, (laughs) you know, like. He was just saying. OJ Simpson did get rid of him. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Glad we're on the same page. So according to (laughs) Maharwi, Asmiram called Regby a quote unquote prostitute and said, quote, that bitch mother of yours and you guys are the ones that killed my brother. You dirty rat. You <laughs> killed my brother. Ooh. That part uh, is not in the quote. <laughs> oh. Sorry. Beth is right. She's correct. Uh, 
So then three days later, Asmaram told Merhari he intended to expose Merhari's sexuality to his family and church, which is scary. Yeah. You are concerned about being outed. If you're, you know, outing is, I just think it's so cruel. Cruel. And it's not, it's not your, it's it's not your choice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, it should be your choice whether or Mm -hmm. not you want to come out or not. Absolutely. Yeah. That's cruel. And I don't know if Merhawi is gay or not. Doesn't matter. Right. You know, but within their culture, mm-hmm. it was a big deal. And definitely a way to try to harm somebody or threaten yeah. harm to get right. this story, this cockamamie story to yeah. make sense for him. Right. Exactly. So Asmaram then went to see Yefram again to tell him about Merhawi's sexual orientation, quote, since Yefram is the older sibling, unquote. According to Asmaram, Yefram, quote, came with an attitude, unquote, and Uh-oh. refused to speak with him. Well, gee, I wonder why, you crazy exactly, motherfucker. <laughs> exactly. I'm sorry, uh, your tone. I have boundaries and your tone is violating them. So I'm out of here. That's all. <laughs> Asmaram told Tewodros in November that the Mahari family had murdered Abraham to hide Mahari's sexuality. Tawodros was worried that Mahari would molest Isaac and felt that Mahari should not be active in the church. So these fears just Asmaram is like a, a bad apple. Yeah. Poisoning everything. The whole tree. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this whole thing about being worried because Mahari is gay, that he would molest Isaac. That's that's just so that's not. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Pedophilia is not the same as homosexuality. Yeah. And most pedophiles are not gay. Mm -hmm. So. Right. But there is so much effort by Christians, fundamentalists, evangelicals, people in the far right to conflate those two To conflate the two. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Surprisingly, pedophiles don't care so much about the sex of the children. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they care more about the fact that they're children and it's not that they're gay or straight or whatever. It's just not the same thing. It's a totally different thing. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Conflating the two is insane. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense and is so harmful as we see, because the outcome of this is not uh, good. Not Uh, good. Yeah. This is a true crime story. Everybody didn't know if we, uh, I don't know if we mentioned that earlier. I'm sorry. Did you? Nobody told me this would involve murder. I'm out of here. So Asmaram claimed that on November 20th, he sent Winta a letter with, quote, proof that her brother was a homosexual, unquote, Mm. and proposed that they hold a family discussion about it. The next day, he saw Winta at Keller Plaza. He claimed that she admitted Merhawi was homosexual and that he had molested Isaac. At Asmaram's urging, Winta invited him to meet with the Maharis to discuss the family's problems at Regby's apartment when they gathered for Thanksgiving. Tuadros was not present on these occasions and never said anything derogatory to the Maharis. These occasions were Asmaram was going around and, and harassing everybody. Tuadros, yeah, didn't yeah. have anything to do with that. He never said anything derogatory about the Mahari family. Merhawi said that before the murders, he saw Tuadros as a pacifist who wouldn't hurt a fly. Tuadros was never told he was unwelcome at the Mahari family home 
And he said that he and the Mahari family, including Winta, Isaac, Angasam, Marhawi, and Jonas, continued to visit each other at their respective homes between Abraham's death and that Thanksgiving. Tuadros later said that he was aware of, but did not share, Asmaram's suspicion that the Maharis had killed Abraham. His concerns were that an unknown outsider, possibly someone that Winta knew, might have murdered Abraham for the insurance money. Or, you know, it could be like all those people qualified to weigh in said <laughs> that he died of natural causes. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, he was worried, though, that Asmaram's continuing investigation could endanger the whole family. And as a precaution, the Gebra Selassies changed the locks to each of their apartments and Tawadros bought a gun. Wow. So these people are terrified. They're scared. Yeah. Yeah. The later prosecution theory was that Asmaram and Tuadros created a plan to kill their in-laws and kidnap their two-year-old nephew, Isaac. Asmaram later testified that he had practiced shooting at a range six or seven times and that he made sure the gun was loaded before he went to the Mahari's house on Thanksgiving Day. What a monster. Yeah. The Mahari family gathered at Regby's apartment on the afternoon of November 23, 2006 for Thanksgiving. Regby, Winta, Isaac, brothers Angasam, Merhawi, Jonas, and Yefaram were there. Tuadros, who had been invited, arrived and greeted everyone in the apartment, asked Angasam about his school, spoke with Jonas about college, and commented to Winta that Isaac was growing up. Tuadros got a plate of food and sat down. Angasam, Yefaram, and Winta were sitting on the couch across from him. Jonas was at the computer table near Winta. Mahari was on the phone with Yosef, the oldest Mahari brother who lived in London. Regby sat on a stool next to the phone using a small portable burner to prepare a traditional Ethiopian coffee ceremony. Tuadros was playing with two-year-old Isaac, letting him open and shut his cell phone. Much of what happened next was hotly disputed at trial. What is undisputed is that Asmaram arrived at the Mahari family apartment shortly after 3 p.m armed with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. Angusam, Merhawi, and Yefram all said that they saw Tuadros with Isaac, and Isaac was playing with Tuadros's phone. Later, they saw Tuadros talking on a cell phone, saying something like, Hello, hello, I can't hear you, as he walked toward the apartment's front door, and Isaac was with him. Yefram said he saw Tuadros unlock both locks on the door, open it, and then he carried Isaac out of the apartment. Angasan M. Merhawi did not see Tawadros unlock or open the door. But other than Isaac, none of the Mahari family members were anywhere near the front door. Asmaram came in holding a gun in his right hand, although some said he had two guns and others said he was holding a bag in his left hand. So there's a lot of confusion about what happened. And yeah. I totally get that when something like this happens, mm -hmm. your memory is, it's chaotic. You, right, yeah. Your memory what, is not clear. Yeah, you took the word right out of my brain. Chaotic. Yeah. Chaos. Chaotic. And this was all yeah. really fast. Yeah. Sudden. I mean, we're reading this story, but it happened faster yeah. than that. <laughs> Speed it up, Beth. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yefram later testified that Asmaram said, quote, everybody here killed Abraham. I'm going to kill you, unquote. But Merhawi said that Asmaram said nothing. Asmaram shot Jonas. Then as Regby cried, my child, and reached toward him. Asmaram shot her too. As Winter got up from the sofa, Asmaram shot her as well. Angasam escaped by jumping from the living room window. 
Oh my God. Yefaram grabbed Asmaram's hand and they struggled over the gun. Merhawi followed and grabbed Asmaram from behind. Asmaram backed into the hallway and fled. Yefaram was shot in the ankle during the struggle. Regbi, Jonas, and Winta were all killed. Angusam was severely injured when he jumped from the third floor apartment window to escape. Oh my, that makes my knees hurt just thinking yeah, about just thinking a about jump it. like that. Oh, yeah. Tawodros fled with Isaac to his mother's apartment. Asmaram also returned there, called 911, and reported that he had shot several people in self-defense. <laughs> he, begged the, he begged the police to arrive quickly because people had been hurt. Two guns were recovered from the apartment. A Lorcan 380 automatic that had been reported stolen from its registered owner, so we don't know whose gun that was, mm. and a Luger 9mm registered to Mulugeta Gebrselasi. The Lorcan had six live rounds in its magazine, but the chamber was empty. All of the fatal bullets and cartridge casings found at the scene of the shootings came from the Luger. Asmaram admitted bringing the Luger to the Mihari family apartment, but denied that he brought a second gun. Tawadros's cell phone was found next to Jonas's body. So I think there so, was an argument about where the other gun came from. People were saying that Asmaram brought it, and Asmaram's claiming that it was the Mahari family's gun. Now it's time to get into the investigation and the arrest. Hit it, Beth! Asmaram and Tawadros were questioned by police early in the morning of November 24th. Tuadros waived his Miranda rights and spoke for about three hours, of which only 21 minutes were taped, which is huh, weird. That is weird. Hmm. He explained that he had suspected foul play was involved in Abraham's death, but, quote, kept everything inside, unquote. He said that Regby had invited him to Thanksgiving when he ran into her and Winta the day before. On Thanksgiving, he was playing with Isaac. He heard Yefaram yelling at Asmaram. He did not know that Asmaram was coming over. Or who opened the door to let him in? Tawadro said that Yefaram pulled out a gun and Asmaram started shooting in the air. Tawadros heard one shot, grabbed Isaac, and then ran. Asmaram was questioned for just over an hour, about half of which he spent talking about his belief that the Maharis killed Abraham. Okay, okay. <laughs> Asmaram said he was invited to Thanksgiving by Winta, okay, mm -hmm. but he grew suspicious. Winta told him he should come alone. Oh, my God. How does he come up with this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> he believed that she and her family might be planning to kill him to keep him from exposing Maharwi's sexuality and the truth about Abraham's death. So he brought his gun to the meeting to defend himself. He initially told police that Regby opened the door for him and then stood there. But he later said she sat down after letting him in. Which is it? Hmm? <laughs> he did admit to the shootings. He said that Winta was evil hmm. and that the events of November 23rd happened because Mirhawi was a homosexual and that the Mahari family murdered Abraham to conceal Mirhawi's sexuality. Wow. A stretch. Yeah. He said that he knew the Mahari family planned to kill him to prevent him from revealing Mirhawi's lifestyle and that Winta invited him to Thanksgiving to, quote, Set him up, unquote. So now let's get into the trial. Ridiculous, but go yeah. ahead, Death. <laughs> Asmaram and Tuadros were each charged with three counts of murder, attempted murder, kidnapping, and false imprisonment by violence. The prosecution alleged that Tuadros helped Asmaram 
by signaling that the Maharis had all gathered, then let him into their apartment and left with Isaac before Asmaram opened fire. Both Asmaram and Tawodros testified in their defense. Asmaram admitted to the shooting but asserted it was self-defense. He claimed that the Maharis had killed Abraham to conceal Mahari's sexual orientation and that they lured him to their apartment to kill him. Tawodros' defense was that he knew nothing of Asmaram's plans and had no part in the murders at all whatsoever. Not a me, no do, not just call me Nathan because I ain't had Nathan to do with it. <laughs> My name's Bennett and I ain't in it. <laughs> Angusam, Merhawi, and Yefram also testified at the trial. Merhawi said that he had never owned a gun, had never seen any of his family with a gun, and none of them had a gun on the day of the murders. He denied that his family invited Asmarum over for Thanksgiving. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think they would. Mm-hmm. To murder him. <laughs> yeah. So that he could not expose Merhawi's sexual orientation or continue to investigate Abraham's death. Your Honor, we don't even own a gun. What do we need a gun <laughs> rack for? Yeah. There's, on, they're Honor. over in the library yelling about Merhawi's sexual orientation. This I think everybody is- knows already, okay? <laughs> wow. I- Great point, friend. Great. <laughs> point. Uh, the prosecution theorized that Tawadro signaled Asmaram to come over to Regby's apartment by calling another brother, Dawit Gebrasalasi, who was with Asmaram in their mother's apartment. There were no calls between Tuadros and Asmaram on the day of the shooting, but records for Tuadros's phone showed two calls were placed to Dawit's number on November 23rd, one at 2.57 p.m. and the second at 3.04 p.m. The first call connected for three seconds. The second call went through, but the connection time was zero seconds. According to Tuodros, his brother DeWitt's phone number was programmed into his flip phone. So that, remember those? So that yeah. it could be speed dialed by pressing and holding a number for a few seconds or less. Closing the phone would end the call. He said that it was possible that Isaac inadvertently pressed DeWitt's number when he was playing with the phone. He said he did not pretend to have a phone conversation and Isaac was playing with his phone most of the time. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, And I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st. Asmaram claimed that he was set up, that Regby led him into the apartment, and Yefaram and Merhawi almost immediately started cursing at him, 
and Mahari threatened to knock him down. Mahari then drew a gun from his waistband. As Muram pulled out his own gun, told Mirhawi to put his weapon down and fired a warning shot towards the window. I'm not entirely sure, but I think that he was claiming that he shot the window that the one guy jumped out of oh, or something like that. Okay. So there was some question about whether or not he they jumped out of the window. They coordinated that? Oh, okay. Or that he jumped out the window. I I'm see. not really sure about this part. I couldn't quite figure it out. Okay. But I think as Maram was saying, he didn't jump out the window. I shot the window. Like, oh, this is part of his story. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, great story, Asmaram. <laughs> uh, so. so everybody ducked, <laughs> including Merhawi. At that point, Asmaram saw that Yefiram also had a gun. Scared, he said, quote, if anybody moves, I'm going to kill you, unquote. Tuadros grabbed Isaac and left. Yefiram picked up his gun. Asmaram fired in his direction. Then everything became more chaotic than we've previously described. <laughs> <laughs> Mahari ran towards Asmaram with his gun drawn. Asmaram shot toward Mahari, then shot Regbi as she tried to grab him. Winter then came at Esmeron, screaming and saying, quote, It's our fault! It's our fault! Unquote. He shot her too! He did not want to kill her, he said, but she was blocking his way. So. <laughs> wow! So, you know, yeah, had to, so there's, had to yeah. do it. <laughs> Sorry, Your Honor. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Yefiram grabbed Asmaram's hand. Asmaram's gun went off. He saw that Yefiram was also holding a gun. He dropped his weapon and struggled with Yefiram, knocking the gun from his hand. The struggle continued until Asmaram distracted Yefiram by pretending he had a second gun in his waistband and managed to flee to his mother's apartment. Huh, okay. During his testimony, Asmaram said that Winter, quote, was the most evil wife and the most evil human being on this earth. But he didn't mean to shoot her. He didn't mean <laughs> to shoot her. I was going to say, any chance you walked past a mirror today, Asmaron? Because that would be the most evil human being on the earth, if you ask me at this moment. And the Mehari family were the, quote, most evil family in the whole world, unquote. Whole world? Really? Come on. <laughs> Eight billion people, sir. <laughs> and again, any access to a mirror. <laughs> Tuadros also testified. He said that he did not tell Asmaram that he was planning to visit the Maharis, and he did not know that his brother would be there, and that Asmaram did not ask him to be there or to open the door for him. After three months of trial and six days of jury deliberations, on May 31st, 2011, the jury found both Asmaram and Tawadros guilty on all counts. In addition to the three murder counts, they were convicted of one count of attempted murder for wounding Yefiram Mahari, one count of kidnapping for taking two-year-old Isaac from the scene, and two counts of false imprisonment. Gosh, taking that baby Isaac might have been the one, like the one, the you only know, glimmer yeah. of hope. Yeah, in this. But the reason why, well, I don't know. Uh -oh. I don't know. Am I off? <laughs> I mean, I could be off. No, no, no. It, it's good that Isaac was taken out of this scene for sure. Yeah. But if Toadros was helping Asmaram, the reason why they took him was because they thought that Maharwi was molesting him and, you know, that whole thing. Oh, so, I see. Yeah. I see. They were trying okay. to take him away from his from family. That. 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just the whole thing is fucked. Yeah. That's a perfect word to describe it. Moving on. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so both were sentenced to multiple consecutive life terms without the possibility of parole. At sentencing, Asmaram Gebrselassi shook his head and smirked while the victims read their statements. He had been removed from court several times for outbursts during the trial, and when sentencing was pronounced, he shouted at the judge, who was an Asian person, quote, You know who is evil? You're evil. You're a criminal. Go back to Japan, unquote. Well, this guy is garbage. Yeah, that's racist. Yeah, yeah, extremely and so unnecessary. And this guy, the judge is going to hand you your sentence. So you decide, I know exactly what I'm going to do now. Insult him. (laughs) Got him. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we got him. (laughs) No, you don't, Asmaram. So now let's get into where are they now? Well, Tuadros appealed his case and was sent back to the Alameda County DA for possible retrial. Instead, he pleaded no contest to three charges of voluntary manslaughter. And on April 4th, 2016, he was sentenced to 10 years in prison, time that he had already served and he was set free. He was 47 years old. Wow. And Asmaram Gebrasalasi is currently incarcerated in California State Prison Solano in Vacaville, California. Come visit us in Vacaville. <laughs> in beautiful uh, Vacaville. Beautiful <laughs> Vacaville. I don't know how you'll feel about hearing this. Asmaram is 60 years old today. Okay. So let's get into our takes, our spicy hot takes. Spicy. Whoa. <laughs> I need some milk. Uh, go, Beth. What are your thoughts? Well, this is just a really sad story. Yes. Yes, it is. You know, I love the idea of the families all living in the same apartment complex. Yeah, and it was so beautiful. It and was. Picturesque. And it's so sad that it all went so wrong. And I think the Ethiopians' conservative beliefs about LGBTQ people played a big role in this story. Yeah. And why being gay was conflated with pedophilia, which is wrong. Yeah. That's not a thing. Nope. <laughs> so get nope. that out of your head. False. <laughs> Completely false. Yeah. False. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Asmaram kind of lost his goddamn mind. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Tuadros conspired with Asmaram or not. Mm-hmm. I'm not completely convinced, but I wasn't at the trial. It just, you know, there's a lot of things that made me think that he, he did not. But yeah. if he did... I think he did because Asmaram played up his belief that Merhawi was abusing Isaac. And I feel like Tuadros was trying to save Isaac. Right. And Tuadros, from the way the story described him, was, what do they say? Couldn't hurt a fly. He was a really... He was a pacifist. Yeah. Yeah. So I could see how his goodness or pacifism might have been... Wanting to save Isaac. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't believe anything that Asmaram said. Not a word. His his story is so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, his story. Which one? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Uh, His stories. Yeah. yeah, His so many outlandish stories. And friend, uh, by this point in the episode, have you thought of a word for two people who decide to get together and weave a wild tale and then commit murder? <laughs> um, the only one I know is folie do. <laughs> oh, I like that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I agree. It's very sad. After somebody dies, 
or we lose somebody. It's natural to want to blame someone or something. Yeah. And I imagine that there also may have been a sense of distrust by the surviving loved ones, family members, community members of the police in the United States. And so I get them saying, well, can you run it again? Do the autopsy yeah. again. Do a yeah. little more checking. But at some point, the evidence in front of you has to speak for itself. I mean, you cannot create facts that are not there, that don't exist. And uh, Asmaram did that, and it ended horrifically. Homophobia is real, and people lose their lives over it all over the world. Yeah. And like I said earlier, there's no place in this entire rock where queer people don't exist. We're everywhere, <laughs> including in the yeah. church. Yeah. And some people use religion to support their homophobia. But, you know, I had I was in conversation with some women this week and one of them was talking about their church and how their church is like a safe haven for LGBTQ people. And their church is also a place that has a women's health care clinic. Oh, wow. But there are some people in the church who are against helping people in this way. And my friend who's the pastor is like, but I mean, God is like awesome and loves everybody and wants us to take care of everybody. So she is having a hard time accepting that her like, yeah. people in the church don't see that. And she's like, you know, frustrated with how small their beliefs are making their ability to help people to really be, you know, God-like, right? And yeah. if God is the center of your religion and God is good, well, this homophobia and violence are not good, right? So it yeah. doesn't. It, how do you reconcile the two in your in your mind or in your spirit? It seems very counterintuitive to me. Limiting belief and people living and loving and being their full true selves just just seems like that's what a good God would want us to do, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, it's just so sad that what appeared to be a totally natural death. You know, none of us are getting out of this alive, right? right. Death is coming for all of us. But so many other people had to die unnecessarily after. Yeah, it's a crazy story. It's crazy, crazy and story. it sucks. Yeah. So um, let us know what you think at Fruit Loose Pod on all the socials. And you can respond directly in the episode description box on Spotify and tell us what you think. Ooh. So now we're going to get into how not to get murdered. <clears throat> well, if you love true crime <laughs> and you don't want to die. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. <laughs> wow, I don't know what happened. Uh, that's okay. Keep it. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. All right. So this tip comes from Ashley F. in our Facebook discussion group. Nice. Join it. It's one of the littiest places on the Internet. But uh, <laughs> thank you, Ashley, for this tip. Um, I think Ashley should get a one of these for this tip. The tip says, hey, y'all, ladies, it's fall. It's starting to get darker earlier. So make sure you fill up your gas tank before sunset. Keep an extra charger with you at all times. Signing up for AAA is a great idea. Yes. Uh, if you got the extra coins, check your tires and your oil. 
Do not go to the ATM at nighttime if you are. Or early morning when it's still dark. Yes. Yep. And if it is dark, make sure you park in a well-lit area. (laughs) So funny. Old Whitey was like, you should go to the gym early in the morning. It's, It's great there. And he was telling me where he he parks and he was like, it's well lit and it's right in front of the doors. And I was like, are you worried about getting attacked and, and raped? This, <laughs> this, this six foot three, like 250 pound man. And he was like, no, it's just close to the, you know, I can park my car close. I was like, oh, I guess just me though, huh? Just me worried about attacks. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Parking- I actually stopped going to a gym because their parking lot sucked. Yeah, that is real. The th- I mean, you you gotta be safe. You gotta yeah, be and safe. I, talk, I actually talked to the um, managers about it, and uh-huh. they yeah, they were like, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, it sucks. Well, sorry thanks. about that. Uh, that okay. bye. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you gotta, yeah. I mean, obviously, not everybody's thinking about our own personal safety at all times. You know, so we it's gotta a bunch do it ourselves. Du- <laughs> yeah, it's a bunch of dudes. So exactly. Exactly. Care. Yeah, dudes, dudes often don't have to do better. Do better, dudes. Thank you. (laughs) Couple more tips. Only unlock your doors if you're immediately getting out of the car. You don't have all your stuff. You're not ready to go. Keep those doors locked. Pay attention to your surroundings. Heads up. Phones down. Stay safe, y'all. Yeah. And thank you. Thanks, Ashley. Great tips. Yeah. Now it's shout out time. Look at that. Where we shout out any content by or about any people of color or any other marginalized or underrepresented folks, or any true crime goodies. I got a few. Get ready. Okay. Listen close. All right. This is a podcast recommendation for all you history lovers. I'm, assur- I'm assuming Ooh. if you've made it to this point in the podcast, you love history, and you love history that is not from the white lens. There's so much history out there. So this new podcast, I don't, I don't know if it's really new, but Michael Harriet, who is one of the funniest people on Black Twitter, I've quoted some of his tweets before. He just, he's very funny. He uh, His new show is It's Drapedomaniacs, hmm. Unshackled History with Michael Harriet. And drapedomania is the mental illness that caused enslaved people of African descent to, I don't know, want to free themselves from bondage? Anyway. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah, so Why would they want to do that? <laughs> I don't know, but it was a real like mental disorder in oh, the yeah. DSM. Yeah, like hysteria. Exactly. And drape, there's the whole point is there's been drapedomaniacs throughout history. Lots of dope people who did really cool stuff. So that is great. And he's got really great guests. I also wanted just a quick follow on the socials. This person, her name is uh, Cyber Farida. And she like worked for the NSA. She's a black woman. And she offers all kinds of online safety tip gems nice. for kids. That's Cyber Farida. S-C-Y-B-E-R-F-A-R-E-E-D-H-A. And then lastly, Black Cake on Hulu. Ha! It is about this West Indian woman who has this whole past life that nobody knows about, not even her kids, until after she dies. Oh, wow. And she tells her story on like this recording and they learn about her. And it's based on a book. Black Cake is a West Indian Caribbean cake. Usually eat it like celebrations and stuff. It's just really, really good. It's uh, Hulu. Oprah is one of the producers. The acting is great. I love the Caribbean like background. The scenery is gorgeous. 
There's just so much I'm learning and it's just a really, really wonderful show. Sounds fun. Yeah, it's really great. So I wanted to shout out Imperfect Paradise. It's a podcast. Thank you. I love Are you love- listening to it? Yes. Fred, I yeah. talked to you about it on the our Patreon. And I'm oh so glad God. you are shouting it out. Sorry. It is so good. <laughs> Isn't Remember it? Remember how I how I got it. I how I found it. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, <it's okay. laughs> I stole so this good. from Wendy. No, no. <laughs> it's for the people. But it's so good. Tell me what yeah. you think about tell us about it. So there's only a few episodes out on this People versus Karen series. Mm-hmm. About a white lady who claimed that a Latinx couple tried to kidnap her children at a Michael's store. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's crazy. And yeah. it's, you know, it's on par with other stories like uh, Barbecue Becky and mm-hmm. stuff like that. The difference mm-hmm. being that the Latinx couple sued her. Yep. So th- it's really good. <laughs> Imperfect Paradise, People versus Karen. Yes. And then I wanted to shout out Homicide for the Holidays. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. It's on Peacock. Uh, There's a new season. Yeah. But if you go back to, it's uh, actually season four, Six Slays of Christmas, season four, episode two, uh, you might see somebody you you recognize. (gasps) Oh my gosh, who could it be? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you know what? I always forget TV and internet I forever. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh those rec those those shout outs are Drapedomaniacs Unshackled History with Michael Harriet, wherever you get your podcast. A follow on Instagram, Cyber Farida, and also a TV program called Black Cake on Hulu, as well as Imperfect Paradise, a podcast wherever you get your podcast, The People vs. Karen, and Homicide for the Holidays, Ho Ho Ho, Season 4, with a couple <laughs> suggestions to run it back a couple episodes. Um, <laughs> and that's it for us today. Oh my, oh my. It has yes, been so here. fun, my friend. But since that's all for today, where can the people find us in the meantime, Beth? Our website is fruitloopspod.com, and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. The footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. Plus, check it out for the different ways that you can support the show and become a Fruit Loops patron. You can also support us by supporting our sponsors or by giving us a five-star review. Five stars only, Five please. stars only, please. <laughs> <laughs> also, don't forget to subscribe. Right, right, right. Now, this is a weekly podcast, and new episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, y'all. It's crazy out there.
I was going to ask you first a word, smart friend. Okay. Um, is there a word for when people get together and weave a wild ass story about other people and then decide, you know what, we should kill them? What is that? A, is there? A, is there a word? But that's my impression of this story. Is there a word for that? <laughs> Not that there might be a German word. Who knows? I, know, I, I figured there would. And if there was, you would know it. Well, if it comes to you, you just let me know. Okay, friends? <laughs> okay. <laughs> what did you call it? Biggity, biggity, the biggity, o? biggity, Yeah. <laughs> the biggity, biggity, o. That's what they call it. Oakland in rap songs. Oaktown or Oakland. Biggity, yes. biggity, o. But, yeah. oh, man. Well, what was I saying? Uh, uh, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lambs, grams, hogs, logs, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chickens, turkeys, you name it. Uh, did you know that, smart? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, what was Smarty I pants, Smarty face. pants. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can't be saying this stuff out loud. <laughs> I'm going to murder you. Not uh, good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah, this is a true crime story. Everybody didn't know if we. Yeah. Uh, don't know if we mentioned that earlier. Wait, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you? Nobody told me this would involve murder. So, uh, what's next? Oh wait, <laughs> it's my turn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yefram Merhawi, Maharis Merhawi. Yeheram Mahari. Ethiopia is a. Gosh, I feel like I can't hear myself. Eth, what was I saying? Come visit us in Vacaville. <laughs> in beautiful uh, Vacaville. Beautiful Vacaville. <laughs> um, the tumbleweeds are just they're, so beautiful this time of year. They're gorgeous. Gorgeous. <laughs> gorgeous, and, darling. And you. <laughs> Darling, darling, our tumbleweeds. tumbleweeds. <laughs> um, oh, I was gonna think of something because the news is racist. I can't think of anything. All right, I got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, grams, hogs, dogs, beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, chickens, turkeys, you name it. Uh, all right, all right. Alrighty, ta-ta, night-night. Love you, bye. Bye. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app, and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? 
It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts.